0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Griffin, and I'm here again remotely with our my co-hosts, Elizabeth Woodson and Adam Hawkins. Elizabeth Woodson, how you doing?
1: I am staying at home. So. I by with the quarantine. I'm great. I'm great, Adam.
0: But are you fabulous at home?
1: You know, I, I feel like we have room to grow today. I'm trying to get adjusted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and then also uh, chiming in from his home and a recent birthday boy, Adam Hawkins. Adam, how you doing, buddy? I am okay. Wow. Is that because you're older or because you're quarantined with your family right now? Um, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's because of all of it, man. It's because
2: of all of it. Uh, I didn't get invited to your birthday, so that's actually, I'm just trying to figure out what to
0: say. I didn't want to talk about it on air, but you're forcing the conversation, so. I did force cool, it. cool, dude. I'm sorry that it, it's getting emotional and personal for everyone. <laughs> and since it's, since it's uncontrollably out of control now, let's just start with our discussion today. Today's episode... We are gonna be talking about suffering well and abiding in Christ, which honestly, I'm hearing a ton of questions from the people that we pastor and lead about suffering, about meaning, about uh, just what are we supposed to be doing, and even today having discussions about what does it actually mean to pursue Christ during this time. So I'm looking forward to learning from the two of you during this, and I'm sure this is gonna be beneficial for a lot of people. All right. Well, during this challenging season, we do want to suffer well, and we want to use our time wisely. I hear that from a lot of people. How do we press into the Lord? How do we uh, use our time wisely with habits and rituals? And at the same time, there's a lot of people taking advantage of times just to relax or to rejuvenate those who are at home in quarantine and are not sick right now. Uh, but of course, there are those people that we want to be aware of, and we'll talk about soon. Those people who have lost their jobs or are affected economically, those people who are affected physically, health-wise, or those people that are uh, in despair and lonely because they're not allowed to interact with other human beings. But before we get to that, let's just talk about the lighter side a little bit, how those of you who are healthy, Elizabeth and Adam, you guys are both healthy. My family's healthy so far. So how are you spending your days in quarantine? Adam Hawkins, what are days looking like for you right now? Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, we're still working a
2: lot. So a lot of it is sort of, um, well, let me say this. Uh, I'm trying to settle into a new rhythm. So what I'm aspirationally, what my days look like is um, trying to institute a certain rule of life where I am waking up, spending some time with the Lord, um, then doing some work and then maybe trying to do something uh, physically active. Um, whether that's taking a walk or not and then back to some work in time with the family and kids and those kind of things uh, and then um, trying to end the day in some silence and solitude as well. Whether that actually happens and goes well is another story but that is aspirationally where I'm at but it's a lot of sort of quarantining and stumbling through it but hopefully that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Elizabeth, how about for you? Similar? Is it like kind of you have a rhythm that you're hoping to achieve and sometimes you hit it or every day different or is every day kind of blending together for you?
1: Um, I think there's a rhythm that I'm hoping to hit, hoping to, um, you know, wake up at the same time, you know, kind of work on a schedule between certain blocks. Um, but in some sense, the days also run together for me. I live by myself. So there aren't people in my home that I'm responsible for other than myself. And so my days also include just trying to connect with a lot of people. So some of it's just man, I need to call my mom and talk to my parents and see what they're doing, video chat with some friends, um, make sure that I get up from my desk and walk around my apartment complex. Um, so it just is trying to have a sense of normalcy and just making sure there's time for the Lord in there, whether it's in the morning or whether it's in the evening like I'm in bed trying to go over, man, what did I do today? And how did I stir my affections for the Lord? And so it's getting better, but I still probably need a better rhythm than what I have now.
0: That's good. At the Griffin House, it's been uh, very different from business as usual. It doesn't feel like, uh, you know, quarantine doesn't feel anything like spring break with the kids at home or, or summer. I have three young kids. And so we are, like many parents, balancing three different lesson plans and three different teachers who a lot of them are having uh, you know, Zoom calls with our kids, and then I'm at the same time. Uh, I still have a full time job. My wife has a full time job, and so our our house is is a lot different than it was. One of the things I've loved and appreciated one the Lord graciously has given us some beautiful weather during this, and so it has been easier or even uh, desirable to be outside in Texas right now. And I've gotten outside pretty much every day. And honestly, met some neighbors that I had never met before, and we've lived here for in this house for five years. And saw some of them today as they were walking by. Met some people that go to our church that I hadn't met before that live very like just down the street. And uh, you know, we try to stay six feet away and and not we're not hanging out in the home, but we have met neighbors outside, and that's been a neat aspect of this. Uh, and I, as much as I'd love to say, hey, here's the the revelation from the Lord that I've had as I've read the Word, and I have had those moments and. And I have had more time for prayer, and it has been contemplative, like you're talking about, Adam. Honestly, also, I've probably spent too much time indulging in some guilty pleasures. I've watched some Netflix shows. I don't know if you guys heard about the show called The Tiger King. I have watched Tiger King, and I'd just like to say, how are all,
2: all you cool cat, cats and kittens doing out there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it literally- the craziest show I've ever seen. It is so good. And yeah. It's so good in the worst way. It's one of those shows, like we talk about on Culture Matters all the time. It is culturally, it is important to mention this is a cultural moment for Tiger King and for people who love exotic animals everywhere. This is your shining moment. You have put on full display the kind of people in this environment and uh, that, Adam, you and I were talking about this earlier, just every person on that show is bizarre to me. It just seems different. It's just... Then maybe to somebody else watching it, they're like, yeah, these are my people. This is, this is what we are and all like. But uh, maybe our producer, David Rourke, who grew up in Oklahoma, is just seeing like, yeah, this is, this is what it's like in Oklahoma. But for me, it was, it was very strange. Uh, Elizabeth, you watched some of Tiger King. Anything jump out to you? That show is crazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I mean, I think, yeah, there's just so much that happens. I've had too many people tell me about tiger king so i was like okay i need to be a part of this cultural moment that we're having and the things you don't know happen in your world (laughs) (laughs) and that people participate in yeah that mess is crazy that's all i have
0: (laughs) yeah that show is crazy it is one of the strange comforts to our culture to have something to watch together Which is very different. When I was growing up, you had to be in front of a TV a certain time in order to watch something. And so you'd have, you know, watch parties like that. Now it's, you know, whatever released, whatever just came out. And the timing of Tiger King and COVID coincided to the point where so many people in our culture, like millions and millions of people, have watched this show. And I should say, for the Christian watching the show, there is language that is not, there are situations that were really hard to look at. There is just, uh, there, in fact there are times where you see the lead character praying in Christ's name and then immediately talking about his belief in karma and uh, and his desire to murder somebody. I mean it involves it, it it's kind of a mystery and at the same time it's just bizarre. So yes, I like a much of America have spent some time watching Netflix or watching Disney shows with my kids. And yes, and spent time in the Word and spent time homeschooling and spent time on Zoom. Zoom is also a cultural moment. Right now, a lot of people a couple months ago maybe hadn't heard of Zoom, and all of a sudden, Zoom calls are the thing. And posting pictures on social media of your Zoom call is the thing. Here's At least maybe in church world, it's like this. It's like, here's our our staff meeting, or here's our prayer night, or here's our small group. I see that everywhere. And I kind of appreciate it because we are so separated out, but... Mm. It is very different. Adam, I also know you're a big reader. Have you had the chance to read anything that maybe you've been wanting to for a while while we've been, uh, home? Yeah, actually a couple things.
2: Um, one is, so I'm always in the middle of several books. I actually bought right when this happened, um, texted some people and I've just really been on this kick about wisdom and, and just wanting to get a deep, do a deep dive theologically into what wisdom means. And so I actually bought some secular philosophy books, uh, by, uh, really articles by a lady named Martha Nussbaum, who we've talked about on the show before, who talks a lot about moral psychology and stuff, but I, I bought a bunch of books on wisdom. So I'm, I'm, um, a couple of, of them are just commentaries, but one's the wisdom books by Robert Alter, which is, which is good. Uh, but then fiction I read, uh, I'm reading a book called the Overstory by a guy named Richard Powers. Um, that is really fascinating. He sort of tells the these stories of several characters and different vignettes by connecting their stories to different tree species, which is strange, but really fascinating. And then another book called Circe that came out a few years ago by, I think, a girl named Amanda Miller. I could be wrong about that name, but it's a fictional sort of account of, uh, of these different Greek gods. And so it's just a, a fascinating book. So that's what I'm
0: reading right now. Yeah, I think more than ever before, people that are healthy are looking for book recommendations. I think that's going to be helpful. Elizabeth, you're also a big reader. Is there anything that you're reading right now that you think would be beneficial or something that you're enjoying?
1: Um, I'm in this church history kind of space right now. And so I just finished The Civil War as a Theological Crisis by Mark Dole. And so it talks about um, the Civil War, obviously, through the lens of slavery and race, but kind of our brand of Christianity in America and how that contributed to the disagreement that existed, I think, when people—the issue is when you have Christians who disagree about what the Bible says. And so how do we handle that? And kind of seeing foreign Christians in Europe, um, both Catholic and Protestant, kind of have really strong opinions about American Christianity and the things that we couldn't see. And so was fascinating. I think some of it, obviously, was clear to understand some of the things that happened. But I think these really large questions about what does it mean to be Christian, and when we all don't agree on that— how do we handle those things? So it was a good read.
0: That's great. That sounds fascinating. I just uh, finished uh, a book on some, I, I, I'm big on local history. So I read a, a history of Deep Ellum. Where it's called Where White and Black World Crossed in Dallas. And it was pretty fascinating. I'm in the middle of a biography of Jack Johnson, who was the first black heavyweight champion. And his life in the midst of a segregated South, where he had uh, a white wife. It's called Unforgivable Blackness. It's pretty fascinating. And then, a uh, uh, fiction-wise, I'm reading Eye of the World by Robert Jordan, which is a very famous fantasy book I've never read before, and so I'm checking that one out, which has been really, really good. I'm about halfway through that. And are you educating- enjoying that, Adam? I really, really am. For fans okay. of Brandon Sanderson, like you and I are, I feel like yep. it's it's right up my alley. I'm in, then- dude. Sold. Go get it today. And then uh educated. I'm reading that memoir, educated, which has been really, really fascinating. Oh, good. But but if I'm being honest, I read more than anything else I'm reading, and I have been in my Bible and I've read the book of Amos this week, which in the midst of this has been really kind of interesting to see the Lord sending calamity and saying, Why aren't you returning to me when calamity comes in the midst of as I look around, the the calamities we're in right now, and people want to know, what should we do? I'm like, oh, we should return to the Lord. That's what we see in the Bible when calamity comes. Uh, but more than anything else, I've honestly been reading a ton of COVID-related news, I read news sites, I check the graphs, I see how many people have been added to different lists of diagnosed or recovered or passed away in different cities, and I'm looking at maps, and maybe you guys have done the same, and that's because suffering is not only current and close, but every day seems to be expanding, and expanding in ways that can manifest in fear and anxiety, and I want to talk more about that here uh, in just a minute, but before I do, let me talk about one of our sponsors. One of our sponsors, and maybe you got an email from them over uh, this kind of quarantine time like I have, because uh, the Dwell Bible app has tried really hard to provide uh, their service that you normally have to pay for in some really cool ways for those people that are having more time on their hands than they're used to. And so there are a lot of churches that are providing free access to the Dwell app. Uh, during this time, and that's for a limited time, and I'll tell you, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that. If people can spend more time in the Word of God, if people can spend more time uh, listening or reading or just applying what they're hearing, man, that would be uh, one of the best things that could come out of this time. And Dwell is an audio Bible app unlike any other one you've ever heard, uh, and you could At any time, they have a seven-day free trial that you can take advantage of, and our podcast listeners can actually get a really generous deal. You can go to dwellapp.io slash culturematters, and you can get 33% off their annual subscription, which works out to just $19.99. And uh, the Dwell Audio Bible app is like a customizable – audio experience where you pick your voice, you pick your translation, you pick your background noises, and it creates an experience for you as you listen to the Bible. And that's something you can sit back and listen, or you can listen to it while you're doing something, but I can't recommend strongly enough that you go to dwellapp.io slash culture matters and check out what dwell app can do for you, especially during a season like this. Let's let's talk. Uh, let's get back to talking about COVID, and let's uh, specifically let's talk about suffering well and abiding in Christ. We've touched on topics like this before on the show because suffering is such a big question mark in our culture, especially for people when you talk about religion and pastoral care. But in this situation, where we have such uh, widespread suffering. Um, and yet the three of us talking here tonight would maybe look around and go, man, it, maybe it's because of the, the privilege or maybe because of the the removal we have from what's real. But I don't know that I would like I can say the Griffin family has been severely inconvenienced and this. The Griffin family is facing things that um, in the future may go beyond inconvenience to more difficulty. But there's even anxiety around that. And I, as I've talked to a lot of people this week, they've even said, I feel bad because there's people that are having a really hard time right now, and I'm just enjoying more family time, or I'm just getting more time to myself. And I never want to inflict on those who are not suffering guilt for not suffering, or a sense in which, hey, you you uh, should not complain, or you cannot ask for help because somebody else is worse off than you are. And at the same time, this is a widespread suffering globally in a way that maybe we've never really seen before. Adam, as you think about this as a pastor. And as your people are suffering and they're witnessing human suffering around the world, what are the kind of things that come to mind for you as as people are asking you about them? Or as you're able to share, what what aspects of suffering does COVID bring to mind for you?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, you know, I think... um, um, Just to piggyback off of what you were saying a little bit, I think, I think it is suffering. I think that is what, what we're going through. You know, it's always hard to sort of, the definitions are so difficult, right? And, and we, comparison is rarely helpful when you're trying to actually heal and, or move through something very difficult, Uh, What what typically ends up happening is if you're having a hard time and you beat yourself up by saying, I don't have it as bad as somebody else, you either just increase the voice of shame in your life, which is never going to, that's not God's voice. God's voice is not a voice of shame and condemnation. So you're either being very unkind and uncharitable to yourself, or you're not seeing things clearly. I think it's fine to just experience what you're experiencing and So I think the first step, you know, so often is as people need help uh, or as people are experiencing the depths of this pain, whether that's losing a job or getting sick or just the fear and anxiety that's coming from the unknown, um, um, or, you know, read, as you mentioned, reading the news, which is, can just induce panic, to be honest with you. I think as, as people are grappling with the very real, um, suffering that's coming from this, I think the first thing to help them do is recognize it for what it is and to tell them, you don't have to be ashamed of being fearful or of, of being in pain or, or of having a hard time with this. Um, and then the second thing to do, I think, uh, at least in in where, where I've tried to go is help people understand that it's in feeling it that you can then turn it over to the Lord. And so there's a lot of, I'll just say, there's a lot of ways to do that in practice, but one thing I'm looking to do as I'm talking with people and having that inner dialogue with myself is find the opportunities to take all of this and go to the Lord with it. And so, uh, you know, what that might look like is to say, man, if you are anxious and you have frenetic thoughts about this, turn those frenetic thoughts into prayer, right? And that's a practice I've been doing with myself. So, as I catch myself sort of spinning out and thinking of all the unknowns and all the responsibilities and all the things, instead of just sitting there and spinning, it's taking those thoughts and turning them into prayer. So, that, that that's one thing that puts me in the in the right position under God, realizing I'm a created being and God is over this. That's a simple way. There's so much more, but I've been
0: talking for a few minutes now and would love to hear y'all's thoughts. <laughs> I, I honestly, I like that, turning your frenetic thoughts into prayer. Elizabeth, I'd love to hear from you. What When you hear somebody say, and this is kind of Christianese, but we'll talk about suffering well. And how do we suffer well? What kind of examples or what kind of thoughts come to mind for you? What kind of habits or disciplines when it comes to suffering well? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, I think it, to me, it's the acknowledgement that, that life is hard. And so there are these really powerful, hard emotions, whether it's anxiety or depression, or it is feelings of helplessness. Um, or cynicism that starts to arise, um, or all the worst-case scenarios that we can pull through in our minds, um, or we just start to pull away from God because we can't comprehend how He could allow something like this to happen to us if we are following Him, Um, and kind of this, although we try not to do it this if I follow the Lord and walk in obedience, nothing bad will happen in my life. And so when bad things happen, we have a hard time processing those things. And so I think first and foremost, is, it's okay to feel all the things. And it, and you need to process that, need to put it before the Lord. But being people who, there are some things we just don't have answers for. So when we think about what's going on right now with the coronavirus, um, I think, I forgot who released the article um, but I've had a couple of people talk to me about it. It talked about how Christianity doesn't have an answer for the coronavirus and it shouldn't. Um, and this idea that there is not this one perfect, this is why God is doing these things in the world. And so when it comes to the dynamic of praying, understanding that the things about God that are true about his goodness and his love and his ability to provide and deliver are still true in these moments, um, even though we don't understand. And I think being able to bring our confusion and our hurt in our fear, in our pain and all those things before the Lord and find rest in him um, and not find rest in other places that we use to soothe our souls. Cause it is this, there's something going on in me that I need to equalize and I use other things besides the Lord to do that. Um, and so I think in the situation of hardship, it's acknowledging that hardship, but also acknowledging what's true about God. Um, and I just love acknowledging the previous seasons of hardship That I have gone through or people I know have gone through or just even when we look at the history of our world and what has happened to people who've come before us and how God has shown up for his people in those situations. And so it's this balance of acknowledging what I feel, but also acknowledging the truth and the reality of what it means to be connected to our almighty God.
0: That's great. That's a great answer. Uh, The article that you referenced there, I believe it was N.T. Wright's article called uh, Christianity Offers No Answers About Coronavirus and It's Not Supposed To. And within the little Christian universe of internet, there was a response article by Andy Davis on the Gospel Coalition called Surprised by Hopelessness, a response to N.T. Wright. And unfortunately, there's, you know, and maybe fortunately, there's these little theological debates that do spring up in moments like this of, how should we respond to suffering, and 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 what should we uh, what should we be sharing with people? I'll tell you that one of the most common Christian responses that I see is to share verses as if they are spell like platitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you know that this is true? And therefore, if you believe this is true, therefore it resolves things like um, Jesus is still on His throne. That is very true, and. What I've been saying to a lot of people I've been talking to is I don't want to just have a people or a church or an individual who can recite that Jesus is on his throne. I want us to realize that Jesus is on his throne. And there's a difference between helping people memorize things that are true in the promises of God and helping our culture realize the promises are true about God. And so, in suffering. It can sometimes feel like, oh, I need to have the right words for somebody who is suffering, a friend of mine, or who lost their job, or who is sick, or who is uh, anxious. It feels like I need to have the right words. But words can easily be empty platitudes. And if you use God's word as an empty platitude of like, hey, here's something for you. Here's something that should magically fix you because it's true. I am all for memorizing God's word. I'm all for reciting God's word. I'm all for sharing it in the moments of suffering. But what I want to pray for that person in the moment is that they would realize the truth of that, not just memorize the truth of that. Does that make sense? I just want, I want a a city who doesn't know the Lord in a moment like this to turn to the Lord and realize that Jesus is on his throne, not just hear from us that he's on his throne. And there we've done our job. We don't just kind of throw into the room something true and walk out of it, we go in and we care and we express concern. And when we say, Jesus loves you, I want to help them realize that by being loving the way that Christ is loving and being how Christ loves certain people. So similarly, when we talk to people about prayer, we'll say, you know, you are part of the answer to what you're praying for. So if I'm praying for someone to love my neighbors or my neighbors to feel loved, I have to think about how am I going to be part of the answer to that. And so one of the habits I want uh, in the midst of suffering, in addition to what the tremendous answers you guys gave, is praying for the realization of the truths of the gospel in my own heart and in those around me. I, the metaphor I always use is if um, if you're watching a scary movie and you're freaked out and then at the end somebody turns on the light and says, Hey, it wasn't real. It doesn't remove the emotional sense of fear from you just to know you knew it wasn't real. So it's, it's not as helpful just to say like, it's not real. I need to realize it's not real. I need to realize that my fear is irrational. And so the Holy Spirit can do that work. We can comfort people through that work. And at the same time, COVID is not an irrational fear. There's some real suffering going on. People are really losing their jobs. There's a sense of recession looming. And so what do we do to be the people of God who for the first time in a long time in America are gonna face a broad or a widespread desperation that most of our country has never faced before. And uh, the ramifications economically from this little microbial enemy we have are gonna be maybe even much more significant than what we're facing right now in the inconvenience of quarantine. All right, let's get back to talking about uh, the coronavirus as we close out uh, this topic, talking about suffering and abiding in Christ. As we... um, I want to turn a little bit from suffering, and I want to talk a little bit about hope. Adam or Elizabeth, Elizabeth, let's start with you this time. Elizabeth, if, if someone came to you today, or they texted you, or one of your friends who's also single, maybe living like you are, and says, hey, "What do I? when I'm not working now, and it's Friday, it's Saturday, it's Sunday, I'm not able to go anywhere, I want to truly understand what it means to abide in Christ. If I want to live in Christ, and I want that to be the reality of my life, What advice, what wisdom would you have to offer somebody about what it will look like to truly abide in Christ in the midst of this?
1: I think the answer that I would give them is what does it mean for us to have our heart affection stirred for the Lord? And so the first two ways, you know, obviously comes to being in word and in prayer. And now that, especially if you're single and you're at the house by yourself, you just have the opportunity just to sit and soak in the Word. Um, and so we just run through reading the Word so quickly and that's an opportunity just to sit and to marinate and sometimes meditate on what God is saying. Um, prayers, whether that is praying um, your own words or the words, I'm in a space of just praying the words of those who've lived hundreds of years before I have, um, because somehow their words seem a lot more um, stronger than maybe mine are these days. But just having some really good, unhurried and unhindered um. A phrase I'm liking to use from Tony Maria is one of his books, um, time with the Lord, but also it's just time in community with other people um, who are like-minded that you are able to get on a phone call, you're able to get on a video chat and talk about the things of the Lord to wrestle through what it, as this conversation is about suffering and what it means to make the things that we say are real about what it means for us to be in Christ, to make them real and alive in this season, whether it's with our community, with our neighbors. Um, I think so much for us to abide in Christ is to be the people that Christ has called us to be. And so it's not just by ourselves, but it is with other people um, in the ways that we can. And so I think I would just encourage that person and take the, don't waste the time and really cultivate the habit of being able to just to sit with the Lord. And I think every one of my super, my spiritual heroes are people who they just sat with the Lord for long periods of time, Mm -hmm. but they also weren't by themselves. And so getting with some other people who can encourage you, but also can encourage you to do some work um, for the kingdom.
0: That's good. Adam, how about you, man? What would you say to somebody about uh, the, the, the premise of abiding in Christ or the opportunity to abide in Christ?
2: Yeah, you know, I think one of the ways we've talked about it, just what abiding might look like in this season uh, one of the ways we've talked about it at Citizens Church, and it, it's, I don't mean that as a plug, but we've sort of used four categories, and we've just said our response in abiding in Christ is going to look like this: we're going to rejoice, we're going to be kind, we're going to talk to God, and we're going to be wise. And those are that's really soundbitey, and I understand that. But in the rejoicing, it's not. It, it would be insane to say we're going to rejoice about COVID nineteen. That's not what we mean. I think what we really mean is. Um, to rejoice in the Lord and, and, and the fact that He's eternal. One of the places that I keep going back to is in Psalm 91 in this time, and it talks about the fact that this disease can't touch God. And there's a comfort in that to me, that I worship a God that although He, and I think I talked about this last time, but although I may be in danger, He's not, and I actually, my inheritance is that inheritance is, is an, is an eternal inheritance. Uh, and just, I, I, that gives me so much comfort, um, um, that, uh, yeah, that, that what I, that where my hope springs from is my hope in him and being united in him. There's a lot to unpack there. The be kind piece is to say when we're abiding with God and when we realize we're safe in him, it means we don't have to react out of our fears Uh, which is where you see some of this weird racism and things coming from right now. I don't know if you guys have have been hip to that, but it's like some of the reports you read are people are being really uh, unkind uh, to people who, uh, to Asians specifically in this time, because they're associating the virus with Asian people. Um, But it's just, I think whenever you have fear and you have pressure and societal pressure what can come out so easily is is unkindness that's a very tame way of putting it but really ugliness and sin and so one of the ways we're saying is man when you're holding on to your security in christ you're able to be kind to others even when you're afraid and uh the way to reinforce that is to talk to god which we've already talked about and and elizabeth alluded to and then the last one is just saying be wise you know i think um Adam, you mentioned uh, keeping up on the news, and I think it's good to do that. I think to be informed right now is really good. But I also think there needs to be really wise boundaries around that because you could sit on it all day long and just be, it, if you're like me, not everybody's like me, but if you're like me, you, you that would stir me up I, too much. You know, I would, I would become a little untethered. And so what I have to do is basically say, okay, I know what news sources I want to check. I'm going to check those in the morning. I'm going to see what it says, and then I'm going to move on with the rest of my day. And and that's sort of what, that's a part of what we mean by be wise, is just know know yourself, know where you get spun up, and then react wisely to this. Um, part of that is fearing the Lord, right? To 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 be wise is to fear the Lord above all else. And so, um, that, that would be the last piece I would say, is just to know uh, in fearing the Lord, what we know is we know God is um, in control.
0: Uh, and so, th- those are the pieces, yeah. Well, I'd love uh, to—in just a second, I'd love to hear from each of you maybe some wisdom about what is not abiding in Christ. Like, what would the opposite be like right now? Uh, But I do want to point out, too, one other thing in addition to the great answers you guys gave. um, This is not a unique opportunity, but a first opportunity for a lot of people that we know in America in desperation, like I described earlier. I think if you would have asked a couple months ago— in the privileged life that most of us around us in America live, what does it look like to abide in Christ? People would describe something like getting delicious coffee, sitting in quiet, having a comfortable spot to open my Bible, and that's abiding in Christ, and yet our missionaries around the world who are in isolation from any Christian community and are in cultures that are anti-Christian. And now so many people who are sick and anxious and worried might understand that abiding in Christ goes beyond having a comfortable spot, something delicious, and a nice focused time to read. Abiding in Christ looks like trusting him in desperation. Mm -hmm. Abiding in Christ looks like turning to him in the midst of realizing you don't have control. And so abiding in Christ is not just this kind of grammable version of um, spiritual disciplines where it's like, here I am, I'm, I'm fasting by a lake today. I'm sitting in the woods with my Bible. I got my new pen and my new journal out. It looks like I'm on my knees, uncontrollably crying, asking the Lord to rescue my relative who is immunocompromised or my friend who just lost his job. Or my wife who's going to work as an essential employee of a hospital where she's risking her life. And abiding in Christ looks like I trust him even in the midst of this. It's not just a pretty version of uh, spiritual disciplines of prayer, fasting, singing, and scripture reading. And all those things are great. But understand that this might be the first time in a long time that some of you guys will recognize that abiding in Christ can be a really ugly, hard thing that reminds you that all you have right now is Christ. Everything else, your bank account can hit zero and you can still abide in Christ. Your health can tank and you can be in the emergency room without a ventilator that you need and you can abide in Christ. And that's the scripture is not calling us to only these pretty versions. It's calling us to tragic, chaotic messy versions of abiding in Christ, because Christ is still good, even in the midst of crisis. So I wanted to add that to the discussion a little bit, but also let's talk about the opposite of that. What is, what is, what in this time would you say, hey guys, be careful Christians, because right now this is the temptation to not abide in Christ. And what would that look like for people? Elizabeth, what would it look like right now that you would maybe warn people against when it comes to not abiding in Christ?
1: My thing, again, um, I think abiding in Christ is it relates to trust, relates to our affections. And so we will do something with them. And so we do a lot of escapism um, in our Western culture. So you just consume copious amounts of media. Um, You are, whether that is just Netflix or that's the news. And so your trust is in, okay, I know these facts. And so I feel like I have control over the situation Um, And we just don't. And so I think being able to push away from whatever coping mechanism we have that isn't Jesus, whether that's food, whether it's alcohol, whether that is um, just other things that we turn to in really difficult times. um, And some of them, we um, even the little ones that we don't talk about as being bad in our culture, I just eat a little bit too much because I'm trying to comfort my soul. Um, and I think this idea of if abiding in Christ means I trust him with the hard things, I leave him with the hard things and do not try to comfort my own soul with my own resources. Um, and that's hard. And But I think it is escapism is a really big one in our culture that we celebrate. And I think we need to be aware of um, because we just have so much time in our hands and a lot of media that we can get into.
0: How about you, Adam? That was so great. Elizabeth, spot on. Totally.
2: Yeah, I just tot- I agree so much. Um, honestly, I probably just didn't say anything because that was too good. But yeah, the the way I think I've categorized it um, in talking with others is distraction and despair seem to be the two, right? And so distraction is exactly what Elizabeth was saying. No need to expound on any of that. That's That was perfect. I, I, the only one I would add is I think the other way not to abide is to despair or catastrophize. And again, I'm probably speaking to myself in that some, but it's easy right now to um, look at some of the news and just go to really dark places. And part of the reason you do that uh, is self-protection in some ways. If you can figure out the ways that this is going to be the worst thing that the world's ever seen or whatever, you know, then it gives you some semblance of control because at least, you know, right. You, you can say what the end game is and all those things. And that's, that's to the piece that Elizabeth was talking about with trust, you know? And so I think in despair, what we're not doing is trusting the Lord. Um, it doesn't mean that, uh, and even Adam, to your point earlier, it doesn't mean that, that, you you try to paint it with like a a rosy picture or pretend that like you know what this is actually really good or something like that it doesn't mean you do that but i think going to despair um is is would not be abiding because um it it is a way to to i think control and even find some kind of comfort in it um and it is a way to avoid um the the very real picture that our God is a good God who's in control, even if we don't understand his ways.
0: That's excellent guys. uh, Before we close out every, every week, every time we post one of these, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. that are going to listen to y'all. And I love the fact that they are getting good Christian, theologically sound insight from you, Elizabeth Woodson from you, Adam Hawkins. I love that your voices are out there Uh, as a final thought. What is something encouraging you can think of for these listeners who are going to tune in, make it to the end of this episode, and just want to hear from you, man? In the midst of what's really difficult, what would you encourage me to do, Elizabeth? What would you say to those people?
1: I think in a, in a really simple way, God sees your pain, and He knows, and He cares, and that's not trite. Like He really does care, and His and is saddened um, and is, to see all of the devastation that's happening. And so I think that's we can feel like our God is far away, that we start to doubt that he's even real, because how could a good God let bad things happen, and to trust that our God is real, that he is on the throne, that all the things about him that we read and heard are true, that he loves us and he cares. And I think Mm -hmm. somebody needs to hear that they're seen and loved in this moment, uh, because they're feeling really forgotten.
0: Man, that's great. Adam, how about you, buddy? That's just so good. Um, Yeah.
2: Um, the encouraging thing about this, um, we talk about, you know, I I've said it before, but, uh, I think one thing, um, that has encouraged me, uh, maybe it's a couple, but one is that, man, uh, we call this the novel coronavirus set because it's new and there's a technical reason it's called that, but none of this is new to God. Um, and it's actually not new to history. If you look at it, the the world's been through plagues before. Um, and, and, uh, so I think there's this thing that people who are depressed or anxious need to know. And one of the things they need to know is you won't feel this way forever. Um, and so the encouraging thing I would say to Christians is Christians, it Christian, it will not be this way forever. It won't, um, there is a mission that you're still called to even now in the midst of this. Uh, and there is still love to give and there is still life to live in this. And God's calling you to do that. Uh, and he still desires your flourishing. Um, and, uh, and, and then again, even the sufferings of this world are so temporary and that's not to dismiss them, but compared to the future hope and glory we have in Christ Jesus and so, just to maintain the eternal hope we have, uh, even in times of suffering.
0: Yeah. That's excellent. Let me close with this. There is so much in the last couple of weeks that has changed. It's things we say now that are commonplace that you wouldn't even have had context for a couple of weeks ago social distancing, staying six feet away, uh, having uh, lockdowns or uh, shelter in place orders. It, so much has changed, you know. Parents homeschooling, losing track of what day of the week it is. Single people not allowed to leave their homes. Elderly not allowed to leave their rooms. You know, a lot has changed, and at the same time, church, hear me this: a lot more has not changed. God has not changed. Your salvation and its assurance has not changed. There is um, a real sense in which your mission has not changed. Even though your context, your circumstances, your situation has changed, your mission has not changed. And so, in what is not changing and will never change, that's where we're going to ground our hope. That's where we're going to live. That's, that's the rock, the foundation that we're built on is Jesus Christ who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, yes, coronavirus is different today than it will be tomorrow. And a year from now, is this in the history books, or is it still haunting us, or is it still making the rounds? I don't know. All I know is, you know, what won't be different is God. God will be the same. And so, the reason we drive you to abiding in Christ in this episode is that it's going to be abiding in steadiness, and steadfastness. And um, Woodrow Wilson said once, it is better to fail at something that will ultimately succeed than succeed at something that will ultimately fail. And so even if in pursuing Christ, I lose my life to sickness, I ultimately win in Christ. Even if pursuing Christ, my neighbors hate me or forget me or I am lonely, I ultimately win in Christ. And so here we have the opportunity to be who we've called to be in the, in the midst of a, a world that is devastated, whose hope has been in their supplies and in their systems, and now it's fallen apart. We get to be the church. In the church the church reminds each other of what's true, that our God doesn't change, that he's warned us against anxious thoughts, but he knows that uh, he's, he's the provider. He's got us in the midst of this. So listeners of uh, Culture Matters, I'm so grateful for you guys, and I hope that in the weeks ahead, your local churches are loving and serving you well, and if there's anything we can do, we'd love to hear from you, because we certainly do care. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. Today's episode was recorded and mixed by Chris Starr and produced by David Roark. If you like what you heard, please give us a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. And please follow us on Instagram or support our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters. Thanks. God bless.